You're listening to sermons from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church, please visit our website at gcceugene.org. My name is Ian Wheeler. Um, I've been coming to GCC for about uh, three years now. My wife, uh, Meredith, and we have two kids. Um, I'm also the worship director here at GCC. It's always a joy to uh, sing with you guys week in and week out. Um, yeah, and today, uh, just really thankful to be asked to preach again, um, as Megan talked about, uh, just the value that GCC holds on uh, scripture and the way that it's elevated here in a way um, where it's handled carefully each Sunday. Um, and to stand up here and be given the pulpit uh, is an honor. So uh, thank you guys and uh, hope you enjoy it today. <laughs> um, yeah, but I know on a similar note, uh, Rick asked me to fill in. Uh, so we're not going to be in our normal series of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and he asked me to just like pick a sermon and it took a while and I was struggling. And he's like, well, what sin are you struggling with? I was like, that's not the question I wanted to hear, Rick, but I guess uh, here it is. And he's like, preach on that. So, um, yeah, so this sermon is stemming out of kind of a, a struggle that I've had for years um, just with human limitations, uh, the high expectations we set for ourselves that culture creates and our own hearts create um, and kind of our weakness in comparison to what Mark was talking about, um, a holy, omnipotent God uh, and his relationship to us. So. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter, um, we're be chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. So I'll read it, and then uh, we'll dive in here. So starting in verse 5. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. Through it, I should wish to boast, and I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this morning, a uh, time to gather. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this word uh, that you've so graciously, graciously given to us. Um, Lord, as forgetful people, uh, in our own lives, uh, it's, it's evidence of that. Lord, I forget stuff all the time. Uh, we have something that we can open uh, and interact with you, Lord. Uh, so we thank you for that. Uh, thank you ultimately for your son, Lord, that, that he came, that he lived the life that we can't, uh, Lord, and that he died, uh, the death that we deserve, uh, Lord, and he was risen uh, in, in victory. And I pray that uh, that truth, that gospel truth that we've heard already this morning, Lord, would be uh, just in our minds and in our hearts uh, as we look at your word and ultimately as we leave today. Uh, so it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, as far as like an outline today, uh, we're just going to walk through this text. Um, it's something that I, I really enjoy doing, uh, just kind of letting scripture speak for itself uh, inside of context. 
Um, there's a guy that I've listened to a lot in my life, um, and he says to never read a Bible verse, um, that it's really helpful to read uh, Scripture in context and ultimately let Scripture interpret itself. So we're going to do that today. Um, so hopefully it challenges us, hopefully it encourages us, and ultimately exalts Christ. So let's uh, start in verse 5 here. So on behalf of this man, I will boast, not on behalf, on my own behalf, I will boast except for my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one would think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So verse 5, Paul's saying, you know, I, on behalf of this man, I will boast, but on uh, behalf of my own self, I will not boast, except for in my weakness. So Paul is talking about uh, the verses previous to this, um, just some context to this section uh, Paul is an apostle, um, and he's one that is uh, kind of past the, the previous apostles. So those ones who were walking with Christ, um, Paul was, in, or he uh, was met with Christ on his road to Damascus and uh, is now beginning the ministry of the early church. Um, and there's been some things that have come up with uh, people around the church uh, kind of questioning, is Paul really an apostle? Um, you know, who is this guy kind of thing. Um, so in this section, Paul is really trying to combat some very harsh charges that are coming from him by church members and ultimately the culture. Um, and we'll kind of see how he handles that and, and what he boasts about. Um, so that's kind of the context. And then ultimately, what does it mean to boast? So I just pulled the definition off Google. Um, uh, and it's basically to praise oneself extravagantly uh, in speech and to speak uh, of oneself with excessive pride. So just kind of what we think is boasting, but I think it's helpful to define some terms because we'll see that a lot um, in this uh, context here. So uh, we'll, we'll continue on now. So Paul, again, like I said, is referring to the other verses that he's talking about um, when he says, on behalf of this man, I will boast, but on, my own, on behalf, I will not boast except in my weakness. And then we'll walk into verse six now. Um, Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So given the context, why would Paul choose to boast in weakness here? Well, ultimately, it's because Paul doesn't want people to think more of him than he really is. And you see, we've all been given gifts, Paul himself myself and everyone around here, we could go person to person and, and we've all been given these gifts and we can boast in them. Even, I mean, Paul says it here, you know, he wouldn't be a fool for doing that and it could be the truth. But what's the effect of uh, a Christian or a person who boasts in themselves? Well, ultimately, human boasting creates separation. When we boast in ourselves, there's a few effects of that. Uh, and I'll just use an example from my life. Um, so I grew up in the church, uh, specifically in the South, um, and pastors, worship directors, everyone on staff uh, is really lifted up. People really admire those, those people in a way that isn't really helpful. You know, as a, as a kid growing up inside the church, those who were on stage or uh, even just small group leaders or anyone of any status, um, I was really intimidated by them and not necessarily a dig at them, but the weakness that we all have was never presented. And, and what I mean by human boasting creates separation is I was afraid to interact with someone on any type of deep level because 
of the perception of those around and inside the church. Um, it created separation and it also created isolation. I began to like wonder, am I really the only one struggling <laughs> right now? Like, it seems like people really have it together. And, and I think that was uh, solely because of the culture and then also the lack of boasting and weakness that will kind of flesh out a little bit here. And you know, we're, we're only human. No, nobody's immune to uh, not having these weaknesses that, that we've talked about. And we talked about where, where does that leave people? You know, they're, they're crushed by their brokenness, shamed by their sin, and feeling like they're the only ones that are struggling. So what do we do when that's the case? You know, we're just speaking from ex experience, you know, we, we put on masks and we hide. We begin to push back, push back from community. We push back from one another and ultimately um, from, from God. You know, we, we feel isolated and separated from the community that God's provided. And then ultimately himself when we, when we realize his majesty and, and who he is. And then that asks the question, you know, well, why is that the human response? And I think, as we mentioned earlier, I think scripture speaks to that. So if we look at end of verse six, it says, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. I think we put on mask because we know what we say and we know what we do. And we even know our thoughts, right, in a way that that God sees. Um, and that's really revealing you know, I was just thinking about maybe some ways that that looks or what that looks like in our lives. Um, and, and for some reason, social media came to mind of like maybe why that's so popular, you know, because we can control necessarily what people see and what people hear. So we're able to kind of create uh, an image or create, uh, yeah, almost like an identity inside of our, our social spheres that really help us hide um, and ultimately hide with other hiding people, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. So kind of, you know, where, where do we go from here? Understanding, like, obviously this is an issue. What was the application to this? Well, the lives that we live day in and day out um, are a reflection of the deepest held beliefs that we have. If we truly believe that we've been forgiven and set free from the gospel, then our lives would reflect that. Clearly, I, I struggle with that, and I, I'm sure that you guys do as well. And it's that our hearts don't grasp the depth of the forgiveness, the identity, and all the things that we talk about on a Sunday uh, that the gospel gives us. So I'll ask the question uh, that I had to think through uh, as I prepared for this. You know, what, what do people see and what do people hear from you? And that was a, a very revealing question. And it's not necessarily that we need to ultimately put on this pretty image, you know, and put the mask on that we just talked about, but to be real with people. Um, I think it goes a really long way um, and has in my own life when people begin to confess real sin and it begins to build unity in the church. So uh, let people see the real you. Like I said, it'll bring freedom and unity from others and ultimately it glorifies our God. Because as saints, we're not defined by our failures. So we can share them, not only share them, but with the joy, um, pointing to what the gospel has done in our hearts. And God gives us some help with that. So let's, let's continue reading uh, in verse 7 here. So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it would leave me. 
So I don't know about you, but that raises some questions um, for me. <laughs> so let's just answer some of those questions so they're not distracting as we walk through uh, these verses here. So the revelations. So Paul's talking about uh, the verses previous to this. I'm not necessarily going to get into that. It could be a whole sermon itself, but just know he's referring to basically what God has revealed to him. And we'll just link, in, uh, link that to the gospel for our own lives. So the revelation of the gospel, the mystery of, uh, of the gospel there. Uh, the second thing, thorn. You know, what, what does that mean? Lots of debate on that. Uh, through church history, maybe what that might be. Some people believe it's a physical ailment. You know, maybe that uh, he had some type of issue that made it difficult for him to fulfill his calling. Um, you know, much like Moses with a speech impediment or those kinds of things, God... There's evidence of that kind of stuff in scripture. You know, maybe it was some type of sin that he struggled with, um, uh, temptation, but to stay away from any type of, I don't know, dividing uh, conversations, we're just going to go with no matter what the thorn is, the purpose is the same. So whatever you believe, it's the purpose that we're going to talk about. And then uh, another question here, messenger of Satan. So for me, as I've uh, studied and spent time in, in the church, I think it's helpful for me to just view Satan as the adversary, someone who is directly opposed to the goodness and everything that God is. And ultimately, uh, a messenger of Satan would be those things that we tell ourselves that's contrary to the gospel. So questions like, uh, you know, what, what do they think of me now? Or, you know, you're a fraud. Um, you can't be forgiven. Uh, you'll never be pure after that. Does Christ really love you? Um, or the big one, is God really good? We see that from the you know, third page of scripture at the fall. So those are kind of the things that we, we wrestle with as we come to this text. But ultimately, what, what do we do with this? Um, this idea of thorns and struggles in our lives. Well, God has created us and he's created us in a way that we are only human filled with limitations, filled with desires above that, ultimately. I know that's, that's the, the heart of the original sin, is trying to seize autonomy, becoming divine by our own desire. And I believe that we all have thorns in our lives. And they can look like many things. They can be sickness, maybe financial, health, uh, financial stress, addictions, maybe death, failures, I mean, read the Sermon on the Mount, right? We're walking through that. Just take your pick. I mean, whether it's anger or lust or the Beatitudes, I'm sure something resonates with you guys as we are walking through that. Um, something that's not only just a struggle today, but is tomorrow and the next day. And before long years, you've struggled with these things that just continually nag at us. Maybe it's events in our lives. You know, maybe a natural disaster. Like I often just think of the McKenzie fire last year and just like the devastation of losing everything. Maybe it's a miscarriage um, and just the heaviness uh, that comes along with that. Maybe school or career plans that are derailed. There's a laundry list of things that we can experience that I think are categorized as thorns. But ultimately, what's, what's the purpose? Why, why does God allow this? Well, again, I think scripture speaks to this directly. Um, let's just read it again. For a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. 
Paul demonstrates the precise purpose right here. They drive us to our knees before Christ. He's pleading that God would remove this from him. They remind us that we're only human and we can't, and we can't control or change everything. And ultimately, we can't save ourselves. We talked about that earlier this morning. Now, it's funny. I was talking to Rick about this and he's like, man, I can't believe Paul only asked three times. Like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I've never really thought about that. So we kind of talked about it for a minute. Um, and then he was like, you know, I think it, it was wisdom that made it such a short time. You know, he began to see that inside of these thorns, um, although they're difficult, uh, the purpose, the, the glory and the purpose of the struggles that we have in life that ultimately drive us to our knees. So this is where, um, yeah, things I would say are just personal. Why I chose this, you know, um, a big thorn for me is uh, I just categorize it as the worship of success. Being a successful husband, a successful father, successful career, a successful worship director, GC leader, and countless hobbies. You know, I put really high expectations um, on myself and ultimately those begin to change my priorities and really mess up life um, because I want to be the best I can be, which culture tells us is a phenomenal goal, right? Do everything and ultimately do it independently, right? Independence, self-reliance, check, you got it. Life doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, I, I've struggled for years with that. And ultimately, it's a thorn. It's something that comes up all the time, even just something silly like weekend plans, you know, like trying to make sure that my to-do list gets done, whether it's gardening or a house project. Like it can cause so much frustration and trouble inside of my marriage when I'm like foregoing responsibilities to like, I got to get grassy planted this Saturday. Like it's got to happen. Yeah, it's just it refocuses my priorities out of whack. And then ultimately I'm led to uh, the gospel that despite my best desires um, and what I think is best, I begin to just wreck my life based off of taking the wheel and trying to make things look like I'm successful, whether that's outside experience, career, whatever, whatever that may be. And another, another way that this is manifested, I think uh, in culture and people can relate with, um, is almost like the shame for asking for help. Um, that's a big part of, of what I struggle with, um, whether it's projects or hobbies, um, or even like parental advice or, you know, help in addiction, uh, countless other things, financial help. I think they all cut at, you know, what the world views as being successful uh, and ultimately circles all the way back to the isolating separation uh, that sin causes. So again, what, what do we do with this? You know, we all have thorns. We all have uh, things that we struggle with. And I've had many conversations with people inside GCC and others outside of the church that really are longing for deep community, desiring connection and something that goes beyond just, you know, a Sunday get together and, and a meeting. So I would say this week, whatever your relationships are, share your thorns with one another. Begin to boast in weakness and see how God uses our weakness to encourage others, to encourage ourselves, and ultimately point us all back to him. I had the, the pleasure to play football at the U of O, and uh, something that happened often 
uh, were really difficult workouts. And the purpose of those workouts were to build unity. You know, we shared adversity, right? We, we wake up early, we do these really difficult things, and those difficult things actually are what bound us together. And I would say that's a great illustration for what discipleship ultimately looks like, and I think what church culture and community should look like. We should be opening ourselves up despite uh, our desire to, to hide uh, in whatever our securities that we find. Um, take the time and the energy to open up and actually walk with people through hardships. We all have thorns. I guarantee you right now, you know what your thorn is and how many people know about that. If you want deep community, you've got to open up. My own life's an example of that. And it's often the advice that I give to others. Um, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. But I promise it will glorify God and change your life drastically. And even Christ shared those burdens, right? If we look at his time on the earth, um, right before his hardest event, he, he asked his disciples to come with him and to share the burden of prayer and the weight and the, the struggles that he had. Um, you know, Christ, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but Christ understood his limitations. Um, and I think he's a great example for us to look to uh, and how to handle that. So uh, let's continue reading here in verse nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content in weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul's just pleaded with the Lord, right? And, and what's his answer? You know, does, does God say, I'll remove your thorn, I'll remove all temptation. I'll remove all hardship. And ultimately, I'll just, I'll make you rich. Like, in a sense, that's the culture that I grew up in. You know, if I, if I do these certain things, if I, you know, pray and, and do those things, life will be easy and ultimately I'll, I'll be successful. Um, again, that's just not my experience. And I think ultimately that's not what the experience that Christ has came and died for. Um, he didn't. He didn't die to uh, to do those things for us. God's God's unmerited forgiveness, His grace, is enough for us in our weakness, and it's ultimately that Christ may be glorified. So let's read how He answers Paul's prayer. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, it's in these moments of weakness that the gospel is seen in new lights. God sovereignly uses trials hardships, thorns, to shape us into the image of Christ. And I mentioned my first sermon, like I'm a big car guy. Um, so it's easy for me to pull illustrations from that. Um, and something I am just amazed at is like body work. Like guys can take a flat sheet of metal and through a process, create beautiful curves and lines that ultimately are symmetrical to the other side of the vehicle, just like by hand. And the process that they do that is amazing, um, whether it's heat uh, or whether it's like welding or this thing called an English wheel, which puts lots of pressure at certain points and begins to curve and shape the metal. Those very actions that we use in a myriad of hobbies are the same things that trials are in our lives. The hardships, the pain, the thorns that we experience ultimately are physically shaping us into the mold of Christ. And God intentionally puts us in those fires. I had a, a college pastor 
He said, um, God cares more about your heart than your happiness, health, or wealth. And when I heard that sentence, I was like shook. <laughs> um, and it took me a while to like, to, to grasp that, um, that, that God would do those kinds of things. But then we read verses like this where, yes, he puts, those, puts us in those situations, but he promises us that despite the trial, his grace is sufficient. And ultimately, he doesn't remove the hurt. I think that's something that we can overlook in Christianity sometimes, you know, like the gospel is enough um, or like, you know, like just just reflect on the gospel. Um, and there is hope and, and, you know, ultimately the answer to everything inside of that truth. But it doesn't take away the emotions that we feel in those moments. And that's really a, a crucial role of being in community and being real with people, um, because sometimes you just need someone to listen, you know. You, you need someone to understand where you're at and what you're going through. Um, but ultimately, that they would speak the gospel into that situation at, at the appropriate time, right? That's, that's what we want. Sometimes the last thing you want is like a perfectly dictated gospel presentation. It's like, no, I just need someone to cry, like to cry with, you know? Um, sorry, I uh, got some hard news right before uh, the sermon here. Um, yeah. So that, that's the, the important part is of community. So what does Paul do with this answer? You know, I think it's the same thing we should do. He, he boasts in his weakness and he rests in the gospel, ultimately for healing um, and everything else that comes with that. You know, because of the means that we come into the kingdom of God, right? Broken, humble, uh, basically saying we can't save ourselves. Um, there's no like side path that allows for a prideful Christian. We have nothing to stand on. And I think that's actually a beautiful thing that builds unity in the church. When you can look around across the congregation and know that everyone knows they're broken. So <laughs> come and join with us, right? We, we all worship the same God who's done the same thing in our lives. He saved us from our sins. And, you know, even those great things that we do in life, um, you know, my, my best deeds um, are masked with selfish motives of gain to polish my image or to build a house of self-righteousness that I run and hide in or ultimately stand on top of above others. And then again, we'll full circle of creating separation, making other people feel like they're the only one struggling and that I've got it together. And we don't. Like we said, it's the heart of the gospel. So let's move into verse 10 here. So for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I find it interesting that Paul, again, in context, is ending this section with contentment. And I believe it's intentional. Um, and ultimately that he talked about messages or messages from Satan and I think that discontentment is one of the most powerful tools that Satan uses in our lives. And the reason I say that is because it has the power to rob us of joy and ultimately our purpose in specific seasons. Like God's given not only you specific make, DNA, and a purpose in life. And discontentment can often rob us of the purpose that God has for us in a specific season, right? We understand that God's sovereign. He knows everything going on in our lives right now. And he has us in a season that maybe isn't comfortable, but he has a purpose for us there. 
And when we're discontent, we miss out on so much. Uh, and I'm speaking from experience. I mean, there's times where I was in between jobs and like the last thing I wanted to do was go to my last job. It's like, how much did I miss out on loving people or, you know, turning my eyes out to, to maybe more than just myself. And I think as a Christian grows, a mature Christian, they do that exact thing. Uh, they begin to turn their eyes outward and ultimately upward through those people that they see um, to their purpose, to love others and ultimately to love God. And I think this is the only path to contentment that's outside of life's circumstances. And Paul talks about a lot that a lot in his writings, um, and he has reason to. He went through a lot, and I think his most powerful gift from the gospel um, is the contentment that we experience. So that was a lot inside of those verses there. So as we end here, um, what are some applications? What what do we take away? So ultimately, uh, to boast in weakness. And the relationships that we have share the ways that the gospel has given us strength and hope and let others tangibly hear and see a heart that has been trained or transformed by the gospel, ultimately to build unity and to build community inside GCC, which is the next application. Sacrifice to make intentional community happen. It's not easy sometimes to meet with someone on a Tuesday night or Thursday for lunch. But ultimately, it's what we're called to do. Um, that is our, our purpose in life, is to, to love others. And I think that's a tangible way we do that. And we're all busy. I, I promise you, I get it. Like, full-time job, dad, husband, like, huge list, and we all have things like that. But ultimately, I think we should look at Christ. Um, and he said no to a lot of good things to make his purpose or he changed his priority based off of his purpose, right? So there's countless times where he left a city with sick and hurting people to go to the next city because he knew his job was to grow and, and, and basically cultivate the kingdom of God coming, right? So he said no to really good things to ultimately fulfill his purpose. Um, and I think that's a lesson that we can take away um, as we begin to grow and, and build community. And I would say uh, the next one is prayer. Ultimately, if we grasp our human limitations, just like Paul did, uh, we should be a, a praying people, uh, a person praying out of a thankful heart um, and ultimately continually praying for forgiveness in our thorns and then ultimately the sins that, that we, we struggle with. Um, and I think a practical way to do this, uh, which I struggle with sometimes, um, is just something as simple as like praying before a meal. Um, growing up, I never understood why people did that. It was just a part of the culture. But as my view of who God is grew, like I get it now. Um, and basically just the concept of like as humans, we've been given a lot of things that we can do, but there's a vast array of things that we can't. Like I can take a seed and I can put it in the ground and scripture even talks about this. I can put water on it and cultivate it, but nothing inside of my power can make that grow. Like the actual growth of a plant is something completely outside of my control. The process of photosynthesis, the complex process in which a seed germinates and grows is ultimately God's work. Or if you're a meat eater like myself, like I understand like how cattle procreate, 
but like life itself is outside of my control. So when I sit down and enjoy a hamburger, like yes, human hands have prepared that, but that's actually a gift from God in a way that really highlights our human limitations. Um, if we, if we think about it. So I would say just as an application, just think before you enjoy meals this week, how God's great graced, uh, graced us with it. And then lastly, last application here, uh, Christ made you just the way you are. So be careful in comparing yourself with others. We all have thorns um, and they're all different, but you were created for a purpose in the body of the church that only you can fill. So begin to look outward and look around at others, ultimately to love them and enjoy the contentment and the gospel. Uh, maybe that's discipling someone, bringing someone into life, your life. Uh, maybe it's volunteering with a gift that you have, uh, leading a small group, or even simply just trying to meet people on a Sunday and take kind of what we've talked about today and put it into action. Share uh, your struggles with someone um, so that they know they're not alone. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for the power of the gospel that uh, despite our weakness and our inability to save ourselves, Lord, you came, uh, you lived the life that we can't, um, a life full of perfect motives, perfect submission, uh, perfect love for others and love for God. Uh, Lord, and you took our sin on the cross and uh, died the death we deserve. I pray that uh, that gospel truth would transform our lives and reshape our priorities in a way that, Lord, gives us freedom, uh, freedom to share and be real with one another. Lord, and ultimately the contentment that Paul talks about here. Uh, Lord, I truly pray that for myself and those around me, that we would rest, that your grace is sufficient. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.